I think a great outcome on this was we changed the culture. We changed the culture around the brain and sports and a greater appreciation for how important the brain is. You know, you can get a knee replacement, you can get a hip replacement, you can get a shoulder replacement, you can get a new heart, you can get a new lung, but you can't get a new brain. Welcome to another episode of Brain Injury Today, your connection to the brain injury community. I'm Deborah Crawley, Executive Director for the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington. I'm excited to welcome our guests today. We have a dynamic trio joining us. First off, Mr. Richard Adler. Richard is an attorney, highly respected here in the Seattle area and across the country for his compassionate leadership and supporting individuals who've been injured. His firm, Adler Giersch, has uh, been doing so much in particular for the brain injury community. He's also served on this board of directors for the Brain Injury Alliance for probably longer than a number of years I can even remember. Thank you for all that you do, Richard, and for being here today. You're welcome. We're also joined today by Justin Kesterson, Justin is an assistant executive director for the WIAA, Washington Interscholastic Activities Association, um, ensuring that our students stay safe playing the sports they love and being part of all that you know comes together for our student athletes. Thank you, Justin, for being here. Thank you so much, Deborah. And uh, a returning guest, we also have Dr. Stan Herring joining us. And Dr. Herring is a, a medical provider and leader over at the Sports Concussion Program for the University of Washington. He is nationally recognized for all of his work in sports concussion programming. Thank you for being with us, Dan. Thank you, Deborah. So today we have um, really something we're going to discuss that's been in an evolution over time. We have been involved through the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington for over a decade in keeping our kids safe playing the sports they love. And it started with the Zachary Leistat Law, started before that with our knowledge of, you know, things that were occurring and ways that we were wanting to keep our kids safe. But the Leistat Law was a really impactful piece and point in history. Um, and that occurred... In 2009, Stan, is that first when we, we obtained passage of that law? And kind of the overview of that, that, that leads us to talk to, uh, today about some changes that have recently occurred to push that forward and to continue with the momentum that you know, we continue to make happen. Yeah, thanks, Deborah. And it's so great to be here with, with Richard and Justin, two true, true friends. Uh, this is a great opportunity to speak about what policy can do to help keep kids safe. Mm -hmm. uh, but in short, Richard uh, was a strong advocate for Zach after he was injured. Zach had a preventable brain injury. He unfortunately was allowed to play when he was symptomatic from a concussion. No one meant to hurt Zach. It just there wasn't a good policy in place. And the results were devastating. But mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, Zach and Victor Mercedes were such a remarkably resilient and, and inspirational family 
that um, I think Richard and I and a few others got this idea, that, you know, maybe we should try to educate schools and coaches and families better. And we robustly gave that a go. Uh, we crisscrossed the state giving lectures and, I, and we had printed materials from the CDC and we had a signed letter from Mike Holmgren that went to every coach at the time. And, and it was great for schools that had a good policy. Uh, but if a school had a good policy and then that coach or athletic director went, the policy often went with her or went with him. And Richard pointed out to us that, you know, schools are world driven. And, uh, and we realized that maybe the best way to make this stick, as Richard put it, was to legislate it under Richard's, Richard's guidance. And with a remarkable confluence of people all pushing for the same goal under Richard's leadership and his penmanship, if you will, uh, we were able to pass the first robust youth concussion law. Mm -hmm. Pretty simple. Parents and coaches and, and athletes need to be educated about concussion. And if there's a suspected concussion, concussion, even a whiff of a concussion, the athlete's removed. And that athlete doesn't go back until she or he is cleared by a licensed healthcare provider trained in the evaluation management of concussion. Long story short, a lot of work. Mm -hmm. First law of that nature was passed. Other states were close. Uh, and with uh, their enthusiasm and our help and help of other sponsors and uh, over the course of four years, there are now Zachary Lastep type laws in all 50 states in the District of Columbia. It's a great story for public health and safety. Yeah, it's, it's a remarkable one, as we've discussed before. And it was for all athletes, all types of sports. Um, it worked. It was in place. I'm, I'm Justin Richard. Just how did you see it rolling out and what impact did you see is, you know, Justin coming from, from the inside of WIAA, how did you all see the impact from the Lystet law, which I've never heard before. So I think that's an interesting piece of on the ground. You know, the, the impact is, is clear in what it does, what the law is designed to do, which is to protect our, our student athletes. So we're the governing body for all of high school and middle school athletics and activities. And so what we do is we uh, really uphold the <clears throat> and, and do the interpretations of the rules and policies surrounding athletics and activities across the state of Washington for high school and middle schools. We really work with the athletic directors, uh, superintendents and principals of those schools uh, primarily. Uh, and we encourage um, you know, parents to, to reach out to their school officials to, to kind of work through them first. And then if there's further questions, then, then that's kind of where our role takes place. Uh, and we do a lot of that interpretation and that engagement with our schools through that. So the, the law itself predates my, my time, obviously, with the association. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was able to see it a number of times of where a student athlete comes out from a suspected concussion or, or a diagnosed concussion from an athletic trainer. Um, at the event itself and, and just what it's able to do um, and the steps that, uh, you know, a lot of districts took to comply with the law uh, and, and to put into place to make sure that their student athletes were being taken care of. Um, so, so this really set a precedent and like Dr. Herring said, to set a, a, a precedent nationwide um, just speaks uh, high volumes to the work that was done here in our state. Yeah, Richard, thoughts? I think that, um... One thing that the listeners of this podcast uh, should know is that this was a unanimous um, uh, legislation piece that went through both the House. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the state of Washington, mm -hmm. we had um, we have 
100 House members, Republican, Democrat, mm -hmm. 50 state senators, 150 votes total were in support of this law. And it happened because of Dr. Herring and because of WIAA, because of the private youth soccer league. It happened because of the risk pool in mm -hmm. the state of Washington. It happened because of the Washington State Athletic Trainers. All these groups had amazing leadership. And we also had the Seattle Seahawks standing behind us, as well right. as the leadership right. of the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington. Um, and we had the Lysted family, magical beyond words, right. uh, a story that every legislator could see their own child, their own niece or nephew, their own grandson or granddaughter in a sports arena, like, oh my God, this, could, this is not a red or blue type of question. This is a safety for kids. And kind of the prime directive for all of us is let's protect the kids. Yeah. Let's, pre let's prevent preventable brain injuries where it's easy to do. Didn't cost any money to do this. Um, and that was a, one of these things where once we got the legislation passed here, um, we then had uh, the, the key ingredients to make this a more of a national push. Mm -hmm. So just as we had the Washington State Athletic Trainers, we now yep. went to the National Athletic Trainers Association. Just as we had the Seattle Seahawks, now we went to the NFL. Just as we had various sports uh, groups in our state, we then went to the American College of Sports Medicine. And I believe it was the uh, last Friday in January of 2014, uh, where, the, where the state of Mississippi was Mississippi, the 50th state correct. to sign on. And I think, you know, 14, 15, 16, things were going well. And as executive director for the Brain Injury Alliance, you know, we were in touch with WIA. I remember Stan, we were doing concussion summits across the state in collaboration with WIAA, with Stan, you know, Richard, we kind of had this system going. We were out there educating the coaches. I guess we were all trying to do everything we could. And I think that's the best you can do. Everything we thought we could do were different folks were at the table making it happen. And I will bring us up then to, I'm not sure of the date, Richard, I'm going to turn this to you because for the first time, not quite a decade, but almost a decade, a tragic event occurred. So the Lysted law got signed by Governor Gregoire May 14th, 2009. So you then fast forward to what happened uh, to a gentleman by the name of Kenny Bowie in 2015. Kenny Bui, B-U-I, was a son of immigrant parents uh, from Vietnam, airlifted out after the, or escaped after the Vietnam War and got relocated ultimately in Seattle. Um, he was 17 years old at the time. And, um, and I think back on his, uh, since we were representing him and his family, he was born on August 12th. And this is, this is being taped on August 2nd. So in another 10 days, Kenny, Bowie would be uh, 23 years old. Yeah. So he was 17 at the time. Um, I think that we start with the Lysted Law, which now schools were beginning to do baseline assessments mm -hmm. and get some data in there. And uh, Justin, I'll take a pause there and, and just kind of double check with you. Is, has baseline testing been kind of going through relatively well in most school districts, if not all of them? Yeah, most school districts, if not all, like you said, um, have implemented that baseline testing as a precaution for um, all their sports. It's, a, it's an outgrowth. It's not something that we thought about in the Lifestead Law. Mm -hmm. But WIA and Dr. Herring, your, your leadership in the medical community really led to baseline testing. You know, so what, for the listener, we're talking about 
doing some baseline testing for concussion signs and symptoms before an athlete may get injured so we know who they are. It's not a guarantee, but it does help you know the athlete. also reminds the athlete that concussions are serious. But I want to be clear that I don't know that anyone should hold the WIAA or anyone to those standards yet because we need more athletic trainers. I mean, we want this in every school and we're working for this in every school and we're trying to find ways to, to make this happen. It's an opportunity to look at an athlete before she or he gets concussed to see mm-hmm. what, what, how they test. So after they have a suspected concussion, you may be able better to assess them. Right. So the school district that Kenny was involved in, he was, by the way, he was fierce, fiercely involved in his football team. Although he was not, let's say, the player on the team, he just loved playing football. Um, so he did get some baseline testing, pre, pre-season testing, which was great. The mm-hmm. school district should get compliments in that they did have a really good policy on paper on what you're supposed to do. So if a kid is... Um, uh, has suspicion of a concussion, we're going to remove that kid. We're mm-hmm. going to make sure they get evaluated. We're going to compare the pretest, the baseline, with what's going on after, and we have a nice protocol in place. Um, September 4, 2015, uh, Kenny is involved in football. He has a helmet-to-helmet hit. Uh, he has um, uh, the athletic trainer, to her credit, see something that's a little bit off on the field. She approaches Kenny. He does have a headache. Um, my understanding from my cross training from Dr. Herring is headache is a very clear critical sign that something is, is off and there's suspicion of concussion at that point. Um, so he not, he, not just a headache, but he was also argumentative. Um, so as a result of that, the trainer said, give me your helmet, which is the right thing to do. And we're going to get you, make sure you go to your doctor because this is above kind of my pay grade to do this mm-hmm. kind of assessment right now on the sidelines. So the next day, a written referral is made, and Kenny scoots off to go see his pediatrician. Uh, a few days later, September 9th, he's evaluated by his pediatrician who says, well, you're looking relatively stable to me, so I'm going to give you kind of a conditional clearance to begin a slow roll on doing a return to play mm-hmm. type of protocol that was in place per their policy and procedure. Um, and the doctor said, do the slow roll to, you know, begin your return to play. Um, but I want to see you back here for an evaluation on September 17th. Now that date's really important mm-hmm. because the athletic trainer clears him on September 15th, two days before the doctor wanted to see him again. And Kenny never gets back to the doctor for that final clearance by the pediatrician. So, the, so we have a good policy in place, but for some reason... He was cleared maybe prematurely, never gets back to the doctor, didn't have the post baseline assessment to compare with the mm-hmm. one preschool. And interestingly enough, you know, remember I mentioned that the Lysted law left open how the schools were going to implement their particular form and checks and balances. And the form that they had here was really good because it required the athletic director of the school and the school mm-hmm. district to review each of the steps all the checks and balances, the redundancy, and make sure that the baseline testing was done post-concussion, the person went back to the doctor, you know, all those things. Right. And the athletic director for the school and the school district never saw the form and never signed it. When we had a deposition of that uh, athletic director, they said 
There's no way I would have signed that form. I would have required more to be done at that point. The very sad thing here is that um, uh, Kenny was involved in a subsequent event in October back in a game. And uh, it was taken out and kind of melted on the sidelines. And despite heroic efforts by the athletic trainer, the school, the ambulance, Harborview Medical Center, um, he had a pretty significant brain bleed. And now we know looking back that you know, that first concussion never resolved. Right. And there's, there's the greatest risk because Um, the bleed started and he died October 12th, 2015 at the young age of seven, 17. Um, This was all preventable, but in his name, we, uh, we talked a bit about to the family, like, how do we make sure that this doesn't happen again? How do we use the lessons here? And despite them not really knowing about American football too much, right? Lent their names and their son's names to the support of uh, pushing forward with um, with WIA and creating a brand new form that really not just no longer leaving it to the school district like you could use this form or that oh, form or okay. this form, but now we have a brand yeah. new form uh, return to practice and competition for athletes with a suspected concussion. It requires the name of all the people involved, who's clearing them and when, and then it all the way gets down to the bottom with the name of the athletic director, the signature and the date. You know, the rule has always been clear. When a kid goes to see their doctor, really the clearance needs to come from the doctor, not, not a trainer. So there's now one form, which we yeah. didn't have before. And, and Justin, to, to you and all of your um, uh, other executives in the leadership, uh, nothing but great praise and thank you for stepping forward and stepping up so quickly. And Dr. Herring, you were also very involved in the WIA from the um, Sports Medical Advisory Committee. I may be mispronouncing that, but the sports committee uh, that oversees these sort of issues with with their implementation at the WIA. Yeah, Deborah, um, the school should be praised for having a good plan. Right. Great plan. Right. And it just did not get executed correctly. Once again, right. it just didn't happen. And it was, there were mistakes and um, the results were tragic. What we've learned from that mm-hmm. validates what we thought when the lifestyle law was first passed. There's no perfect law. And certainly there's no perfect law given the limitations of making it budget neutral. I mean, we, we would lo- lo- have loved to mandate an athletic trainer in every high school, to mandate a baseline testing in every high school. That wasn't going to happen. And so mm-hmm. Richard and I had these frank discussions that the law would probably be malleable. And we hoped it would change over time. We really wanted the law to be organic. Mm-hmm. And yes, there was a tragedy several years later, and there'll probably be others. I mean, it, it's this is an iterative process. It, right. It, it will take time. The WIAA has a sports advisory committee, and Justin leads that for us. And it's a group of okay. concerned healthcare providers, which include athletic trainers uh-huh. and physicians, uh-huh. um, among others, uh, some public health experts. And we do meet to try to help the WIAA. And it's rather remarkable. I would say that no, no, no interscholastic activity association in the country is more progressive. Help them try to set policy and. I might, uh, we might let Justin talk about how this idea, Yes, we did, we did bring to the WIAA the idea that maybe a way to correct 
mistakes, the unintentional right. mistakes of the booty yeah. situation was to have a more consistent policy. And, and maybe Justin can speak to how the WIAA viewed that in the process of, of adopting this consistent policy. Yeah, I think that's great. Yes, please do, Justin, because I, I think the knowing how it rolls out, not only how you established it, kind of that work, you had ongoing conversations, but how does this roll out work in reality and integrate with everything you've, you've already had in place? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, the biggest thing, when you look at rules and our, the way our handbook works and, and kind of through the way the policies were created in, in the state of Washington for high school athletics is the, um, you know, we have a representative assembly. It's 53 members that represent our high schools and middle schools across the state. And typically uh, we have amendment, an amendment process that takes place during the winter time. And uh, amendments are brought forward, proposed amendments are brought forward to the membership. And they have a process where they go through and they review these things. And then those amendments are either voted in or they're passed down. So that's typically how the process works. What, what took place in this situation was that, um, you know, this was brought forward um, to our medical advisory committee um, and, and discussed. And, you know, uh, this is a great group. And, and Dr. Harry's talked about it. Um, I, like I said, just came on board two years ago. So this entering my third year. And this is probably by far my, my favorite committee to work with. I, I saw a lot of them last year as we were working during COVID, uh, probably more than they all wanted to see me uh, as well. But, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of of people that care about student athletes um, and their health and their well-being, but and, and just the overall health of Washington students, um, and and even for the country as well, um, to take pride in setting policies that can be adopted from other state associations. And so, where we kind of left off with that was we had this rule already in place for the last uh, law, and so what we looked at from our side of things was. We can, we can create this form, we can implement it, and it doesn't change the Wystead law and the intent behind it. It expands it, it improves it, um, and it makes things better, and it protects our student-athletes, um, and it really protects our schools from, from a liability standpoint. It just helps them um, from the insurance side of things as well. And so there's all of these hands that went into this, this creation of the conversations around it. And so that's how we ended up with the, the new form was uh, we created it through our SMAC committee and then we passed it through to our executive board and our executive board took a vote. Um, and, and like a lot of things, uh, when there's a recommendation from our medical advisory committee, there's not many times that it's been turned down, if ever, um, <clears throat> and that they haven't taken the recommendation from that committee because it's so well regarded and they know that um, the committee has the best interest of our student athletes uh, in mind. And so after that was designed, the executive board signed it or you know approved it. Um, and, and then we established the, uh, the form prior to last school year. Uh, and so it was in place for this uh, 2019 or the 2020, 2021 school year. And now that we'll get back into the, the full swing of things, hopefully here this fall, uh, this form will be um, hopefully not utilized too often, but uh, it's in place. It will assure that schools are aware uh, when student athletes have been diagnosed with a concussion or suspected of a concussion. And I would think it makes the lives of the coaches and athletic directors having this tangible rule and this form now is something that gives them, you know, something to help with the process. So it's not, it's not the onerous task at all. If anything, hopefully one, as you said, making their, their students athletes safer, but providing them something that has gone through a, a, a rigorous review. 
it's clear and consistent and that really supports our student athletes. Um, it does stand to say we, we had two heroic families. We spoke of the Leisteds as a heroic family and the Bowies too as a heroic family to lend their name and move this forward, which, you know, we're fortunate in the state of Washington to have these national leaders not only be here with us, um, we will make sure we have the form available online and any other information that any of our speakers today wants to make available, our, our listeners are always wanting to have uh, that additional information available. Um, I do not know the date, actually, that the Kinney Bowie rule went into place. I think that would be a, a nice thing for us to close with. And a, a final thought from each of you, just your thoughts of uh, as we move forward. I'm optimistic. I think this is, again, an even better place for kids to be involved in sports. I think this is a state where they're most taken care of and, and your hopes for that future of, of the work that you all are doing. You first, Richard. Justin, you first. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just going to say, I'm just getting ready to pull up our uh, executive board notes. I think it was, I believe it was August of uh, 2020. It was when it was right before the, the school year um, yeah. when we got it implemented officially. Um, but uh, the thing for the upcoming school year, obviously, there, there's still a lot of information that we need to and digest uh, from the Department of Health and the governor's office here in the next uh, week or so. Right. Uh, as we get ready to go into the fall fall start uh, for football, we start on the 18th of August and our other fall sports start on the 23rd. So I know registration has begun for a lot of our school districts this week. Uh, so kids are signing up. Uh, so it's exciting to finally hopefully get back to some normalcy uh, going into this school year. But I think that uh, as I sit back and just in, in this conversation, um, going back through and just talking about this this form i think one of the other things is, is that i try to keep in mind is that you know with the legislation that passed uh, a year and a half ago from uh, the legislature on tracking concussions uh, as well this is just going to help ensure um, with our schools that they're they're following state law uh, in, in two different ways through the lifestyle law but also through concussion tracking um, which the department of health is is working on a, a mm -hmm. website and a tracking system for that as well uh, they were right on the cusp of getting some things wrapped up, but then COVID hit. And so we took kind of a, a backseat to the COVID planning piece. And so we're, we're hopeful that that'll be in place for this upcoming school year, or at least get put in place at, at some point during the school year. But um, I, I just, uh, it's helpful to, to know that we continue to stay at the forefront of player safety uh, and looking out for our student athletes um, with, with these policies and we haven't stayed stagnant in our policies and we're continuing to change that. And I think that's one thing that I've really appreciated. And, um, and so it, it's just exciting to, to be a part um, of an organization that, that looks at it uh, from that perspective and wants to stay at the forefront and continue to evolve and continue to be at the forefront of that. And, and it makes it more rewarding when we, when we do things like this. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I would like to um, say my piece and leave the last word for, Dr. Adler here. First of all, Deborah, I think that we've forgotten one acronym to give enough praise to during this conversation. That's the Brain Energy Alliance of Washington. So let's not underestimate the extraordinary value um, 
that the BI, that the Brains Alliance of Washington had for the lifestyle law and continues to have for advocate for brain safety, not just in athletes, but in all people. So I wanna thank you and um, for that leadership. I'm gonna make it clear that the Lystedt family, and I suspect the Bowie family, love sports. Mm-hmm. They want their kids to play sports. They want all kids to play sports. We need kids to be active. Right. So we need to find a way to keep sports safe. Right. I wanna make clear this is not a football problem. So the Lystedt law and the Bowie rule apply to all sports and all kids. This can happen in any sport, as Richard said. Uh, I also want to make clear that the form is freely downloadable. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you do not live in the state of Washington, take a look at the form and send it to your athletic, uh, your activities alliance association of your state and see if there's interest in in, in promulgating this outside the borders of the state of Washington. Great idea, Stan. No, and we are here to help. Yeah. And, And so. Uh, we just think that given our experience over you know, several years, this is a nice next step. And as Justin said, there will be others. I hope so. I hope this continues to evolve. And so, um, you know, Deborah, it, it's a pleasure to be involved and to work with uh, everyone on this podcast. And let's keep kids active and keep them safe. Thank you, Stan. Well said. Um, on an optimistic note, Um, I think a great outcome on this was we changed the culture. We changed the culture around the brain and sports and a greater appreciation for how important the brain is. You know, you can get a knee replacement, you can get a hip replacement, you can get a shoulder replacement, you can get a new heart, you can get a new lung, but you can't get a new brain. So I think the appreciation of the brain and kids has led to an appreciation for adults around brain health and wellness something that the Brain Injury Alliance of Washington now offers courses uh, to the entire community around that. One of the other great things was the conversation that we started with parents uh, to have a conversation with their kids. Also, there was a conversation that started with the NFL, the Department of Defense, uh, paying a lot of attention to the brain because of what's happened to veterans in the Middle East conflicts coming back. And also in, in our own area, there was a company that came out of nowhere uh, to uh, rethink the helmet technology or the lack of it and begin to use technology in helmets called Vices. Um, so a lot of great things have come out of it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we have to remain vigilant and cautious that there may be another one of these Lysted events or buoy events that happen. But each time we have to make sure that we turn the tragedy that has occurred into a legacy for the family and bring all the stakeholders back to say, what else can we do? Yeah. Thank you, Richard. And I think that's really at a tragedy of both of these situations. I I think a lot has been built off the work that started really with the Lysted law and this nation's paradigm shift and how we diagnose, treat, and, and work to help prevent concussions. You're all a critical part of that. So I want to thank all three of my guests for being part of today's podcast. Um, I also encourage you to listen to some past episodes where we actually did dial it, dive further, had Dr. Herring talked about keeping kids safe, playing the sports they love. So there's a, a number of different episodes that uh, really... Uh, dovetail well with what we spoke of today. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Richard. 
Thank you, Stan. It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to work with all of you. Thanks so much, Deborah. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Deborah. And Deborah, thank you for organizing and coordinating this. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brain Injury Today. If you want to get in touch with our guests, you can find their information in the show notes for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, so you never miss another episode. Please give us a rating and share the podcast with your friends and family. And as always, you can find support by calling 877-982-4292 or by visiting BIAWA.org. Remember, you are never alone, and we'll look forward to seeing you next time on Brain Injury Today.